Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is Thursday, August tenth. 2023 and it is indeed a heck of a morning we are live on the mma fighting twitter spaces you can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the mma fighting podcasting network hello again everybody i am mike heck thank you for joining us a lot going on in this insane space of ours we've had fight announcements we've had fight changes we got fights coming up this weekend a lot happening just a ton happening in the world of mixed martial arts, in the world of boxing. Just a lot going down. Since we last spoke, it has just been a whirlwind of things happening. We found out that Dylan Dennis is going to box Jake uh, Logan Paul, not Jake Paul, Logan Paul, in October. What the hell is going on? <laughs> what the hell is going on? So that is happening. We found out that Jeff Neal is out of the UFC 292 fight with Ian Machado Gary. And we found out early this morning, kind of the last night, Ian Gary basically sort of gave it away that he will now get his wish. He's going to fight Neil Magny next Saturday in Boston. So that is happening. Dana White officially announced. The Israel Adesanya, Sean Strickland, the main event for UFC 293 in Sydney. Not a big surprise. We all sort of saw that coming. And we have a whole bunch of fights announced for Bellator 300, which is going down October 7th in San Diego. Chris Cyborg versus Kat Zingano for the featherweight title. Usman Nurmagomedov versus Brent Primus. For the lightweight title, part of the Grand Prix, Ryan Bader, Linton Vassell 2 for the heavyweight title, 
Liz Carmouche versus Ali Malay McFarlane for the flyweight title. Four title fights for Bellator 300. A lot happening. Like we said, things change very quickly in the sport, and boy, have things changed since we last spoke. So there's a lot to talk about. Let's not waste any time. Let's go. Toke, you are first in line. Then we'll go to Joe. And we'll get to everybody. Toe hello. Of course, I wanted to talk about the Bellator 300 card because I am wondering, with pull, them pulling out all the stops, and I mean all the stops, you got Chris Cyborg back, you got uh, Numakomedov in there. You, you, they practically built the biggest card that they could. I'm just asking... And I know it's already been theorized, but I just want your your take on it. Is this the final Bellator card? Because this seems like, hey, we're going to go out with a bang. We're going to go out in San Diego, uh, which has a rich history, both with Bellator, but also with Strikeforce, all this stuff. They kind of built it all into this event, Bellator 300. So I'm curious about that. That was the first thing. The second thing, the PFL just announced that they got the rights to the Lacey King, which is, by the way, the timing of this is funny because they, I mean, UFC probably was trying to get him to get him on UFC Paris, but of course that didn't happen. So can you kind of talk about what a win this is for PFL? And finally, yes, I want you to talk as well about uh, the, Ian Machado Gary versus Neil Magny fight because I think this is a worse matchup for Neil Gary. I know uh, Ian Gary, sorry. I know that Ian wanted this, and that's fine. But I mean, why? <laughs> the The problem is that this could easily end up being a uh, Gilbert Burns thing. Uh, no, not sorry, no, not Gilbert Burns. Uh, Daniel Rodriguez thing, where he kind of stops the the climb of the young up-and-comer, where you're just like, so we needed this for what? Neil Magny might stop this uh, great hype train that's going. I think the matchup, the uh, striking matchup that he had with Jeff Neal was much better, but of course we can't do that. But him switching to a very tough matchup with Neil Magny uh, is kind of uh, worrying to me. So those three things, and uh, yeah, have a good uh, Thursday, Mike. Thanks, man. So, yeah, I mean, the Bellator 300 thing, I don't know. It seems like it could be the final, like, straight Bellator card, but I don't think anyone really, like, the rumor and innuendo, if if you will, seems to be leaning in that direction. But again, we, we don't really know. Things could happen on a moment's notice. I mean, look look at the UFC and television deals and all these different things. Like it just seemed like the UFC is going to go one place and then they end up going to Fox like out of nowhere. So until it's done, I'm not confident with anything, but if someone, you know, I'll play the $20 game, $20 floats in my hand, but the only thing I could put it on, will will this be the final like straight Bellator event? I would probably put it on. Yes, but I don't know. Honestly, I have no insight to that. So it's a fine card. It's four title fights. It's cool. Hopefully the build is good. And if it is the final one and they do merge with PFL, I wonder how that's all going to work. I was talking to Kenny Florian about this 
last week before I headed off to Dallas. And he kind of thinks like he feels without really any knowledge that this could be sort of a, I don't know, Bellator is going to have to still be Bellator for a little while until they figure out exactly what the plan is. So we could still kind of have a Bellator MMA, at least for a small portion of the future, but it's going to be sort of in this merger with PFL. Maybe they'll just do like separate things for now, but eventually you can't really do that. I don't think that's really sustainable. So it's going to be a very interesting next four months to figure out what is going to happen, what the plans are, if they do in fact merge, if they don't merge, if someone else buys them. It's going to be a very interesting story for sure. Lazy King signing with PFL is a huge win for PFL, uh, especially since they're going into that market, especially since they have the Europe thing. And they need potential stars. They need it bad because they don't have really any. They have like Olivia Aubin Mercier, but is he's like a PFL star, but is he like an MMA star? No. I mean, they have Kayla Harrison, but who knows how long she's going to be around. They just don't have a lot of star power. Obviously, they have Francis, but Francis hasn't fought yet. We'll see what happens with that. Jake Paul is apparently going to fight for them as well. Like, they need, they need potential stars, and I feel like Lazy King can be one of them. I don't know what happened. To me, this probably seems like a money thing. I know Al Zolino had reported that UFC had interest. Then they kind of got ghosted when trying to figure it out. PF, they reached out to PFL and boom, they gave him what he wanted and, and here we are. So huge win for PFL. I still don't understand how the UFC didn't get this done, but at the end of the day, the UFC didn't need them. They don't need them. PFL needs them a lot more than the UFC does. So good win for the PFL, good signing for them and good on them. As far as this Machado, Gary, Neil Magny fight, I don't know. Like, look, if you're going to get a replacement on short notice and you can get Ian what he wanted originally, that's cool. Ian will be fired up and it's going to be interesting to sort of be around him in Boston. But I feel like this one just doesn't have the same buzz as the Jeff Neal fight. Like Ian wearing the t-shirt and with the mugshot, trying hearing safe Sayud on Anakin Florian sort of talk about it. And Jeff's been kind of quiet. I think we know why, because apparently this fight's been off for a, for, a, for a hot minute. It's been off for over a week or around a week. So, but they got Neil in there and cool. Ian gets what he wants, but it's just not the same kind of a fight. I, I like the Jeff Neal matchup more, more of a striker's delight. Jeff is, Jeff is a really tough opponent and I know Neil is tough too, but it's going to be a good test. It's going to be a good test and we'll see what happens, but I'm kind of more into this than the alternative. The other alternative, a lot of people are saying, oh, just do the Wonder Boy fight. Call him up. There's no friggin' way he was going to take that fight. You think, you think Wonder Boy Thompson was going to come in on a week and a half's notice and fight Ian Machado Gary? There's no chance that was going to happen. No way. So the only other option was, I think you had to keep Ian on the card no matter what. The other alternative was you just throw him in there with a newcomer. Someone who lost on the contender series or something and just let Ian run him over. But 
this is a fine alternative. It is. A t- I think stylistically, it's probably a a more grimy fight, but I still kind of feel like in Machado Gary's going to win. So tougher matchup. Goody's staying on the card. Goody's getting what he wants. Everything just seems to be coming up in Machado Gary these days. Let's go to Joe. What's up, Joe? You just got to unmute yourself. Oh, hey, what's up, bro? Um, there you go. Good, How you doing? Man. Uh, first, I want to say uh, Dylan, Danis, Paul, that fight doesn't happen. That's why they already got a replacement. <laughs> Dylan, Danis is a dork, and I really hope he actually does get this fight. Maybe he becomes a boxer, and we get a huge win for the MMA community, and they get a huge loss. Um, second, Neil Gary. I'm actually looking forward to that fight, but I think it's unfair for uh, – uh, sorry, Neil Magny. I think uh, I think it's not unfair for him. I think he should have had more time to prepare. But, again, they might have – he might have already been preparing, and as you said, they maybe have known about it prior to us getting the notification by a long shot. Um, Wonder Boy, man, I love that guy, and it really sucks what happened to him. I really hope he doesn't have any negative effects from – you know, not taking the fight. Um, I know he's not in the wrong at all, and we know how it, uh, MMA politics works. But, uh, yeah, I really hope he doesn't get screwed over for that. And uh, I'm still planning on going to Boston. Not sure if I'm going to be able to, but if I do, I hope I get to see you, bro. Thanks a lot. Awesome, man. Yes, I will be in Boston. Very excited. Uh, I will be leaving Tuesday, and we'll be there Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I will leave Saturday morning and head to New York to join my man GC so he can yell at me face to face for convincing him along with my pal New York Rick, who is also in the chat that Amanda Serrano is going to finish Heather Hardy in under eight and a half rounds. I will take my medicine face to face with the, with the great GC. So, I mean, a lot to unpack there. I did. I actually think this, this fight's going to happen. The Logan Paul, Dylan Dennis fight. I actually think it's going to happen. It would be pretty hilarious if he just bailed because it's just, what a gag. You know what I mean? It'd just be just this ongoing joke. But I kind of feel like he has to do it. And seeing Connor sort of talk about it and be a part of the build, it's almost like added pressure. Plus there's the $100,000 clause. Does, does Dylan want to lose a hundred K or he could just go fight. And even if he loses, he makes a whole bunch probably going to make high six figures, maybe low seven figures. I mean, it's not a bad thing. And for Logan Paul, man, look, I understand that he's in WWE and he's putting on these incredible matches. The ricochet match at SummerSlam was friggin' insane. And then he became a big thing and him and Jake going back and forth about the whole energy drink thing. And who gives a shit about that? I think Logan's terribly wrong about that. But Logan has not had a lot of great press towards him. And what better way to get back in the good graces of people than to go in there and beat up combat sports' biggest troll in a lot of people's eyes. So I think this is a really good thing for Logan. And... I do actually think this fight's going to happen. I do actually feel this one's going to happen. More so, the KSI one I knew wasn't going to happen the second they announced it. But this one, I feel like it's gonna. 
I feel like it's got to. With the, the Wonder Boy situation, Dana White sort of, he hasn't really spoken a lot to the media. He's been on vacation. He didn't do a scrum at US, UFC Nashville. But he did, obviously the Contender Series is back and five fighters got contracts, which is fucking ridiculous. I don't, like, I, come on, man. Like, it just, the show is just so watered down now. Like, I still watch it and I still like it. But the fact that, like, all five guys got contracts, like, what? Like there are no stakes. All you have to do is win and you get a contract. There's going to be 50 contracts this year. Probably more because you know Dana's going to give a contract or two to some of the guys who lost. If there's, like, close competitive fights that go to splitties, the losers, some of the losers are going to get contracts. So it just waters it down. It drives you crazy. But anyways, he did. He was asked about Wonder Boy, and he said, look, just because you weigh in successfully doesn't mean you get your show money. And I understand that comment rubbed people the wrong way. But from I saw Kyle Dawkins weigh in on this, who used to fight for the UFC, and he said, look, what people don't understand is you get your show money when you step into the cage. You don't get your show money because you made weight. Now, are there extenuating circumstances? Fighter makes weight. His opponent doesn't step on the scale. Too drained. He's not going to fight. Are there circumstances where that fighter will get their show money because they did their job? Sure. But in this case, Kyle seems to think like, look, both guys were, get, were ready to fight. One guy made weight and said, no, I'm not fighting the guy who missed weight. And Dana said, look, we'll get, we're going to give him something, but we ain't going to give him a quarter of a million dollars just for making weight because he didn't take the fight. Now, I don't think that's right because you have also put aside that money to pay these fighters. So Wonderboy should absolutely get paid. And they should also understand that Wonderboy has been screwed by this before. And Wonderboy has been a noble employee for this company. He has put this company over since day one. Like, for fuck's sake, just give the guy his money. Just pay the man. Just pay the man. And then Dana saying, well, we offered him a fight like two weeks later, which I assume maybe they offered him the, the Gary fight and he said no because he already had a cut. And Wonderboy's not a small dude. He has to cut a good amount of weight. He has to cut like 20-something pounds every time he cuts, and he balloons up pretty quick. So now you're asking him to cut weight again two weeks later, and because of that, you're going to punish him even more? Like, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. There's certain, like, come on, man. Just pay the man. What's the, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? I'm not saying, like, Dane is completely wrong. Because if he wants to take that stance anytime he wants, he can. But I don't know. Wonder Boy's been a pretty damn good employee, and he never really talks shit about the UFC. He's always put them over. He's always done their programming. He's always done social spots for them. He's jumped on their watch-alongs. He's done every single thing that they have asked him to do. Just pay that man his money. But ultimately, I think he'll fight. In November. I don't know if he gets the Usman fight anymore. I think that's the fight that ends up being made. And if you're the UFC, just make it. Just make it. Just put that fight together. That's a bad matchup for Wonderboy. And if you want to just 
punish him by knocking him out of title contention, sure. Who's going to complain if we see a graphic for Kamara Usman versus Stephen Thompson at MSG? Nobody. Nobody's going to complain about that. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Four Corner Sports, hello. Hey, Mike. Um, I do feel that Kamaru Usman will fight Wonderboy. There's no way that he'll fight anybody else. I mean, um, unless... They really convinced Bilal Muhammad, but I just I still don't even see that happening. I, I see Bilal fighting back, but I don't feel like he's gonna fight anybody of a huge significant name like a Kamara Usman. I think um, I don't know. I, I I'm really believing the fact that Dana White is doing this to Wonderboy because he knows that he that Wonderboy can stomach this. It, it's sort of like um, like in reference like Bill Belichick, you know, disciplining Tom Brady. You know, and, and setting a standard because of the fact that he knows that Brady can can stomach it, and it will show other fight, um, like other players, like hey, you know, follow the follow the rules, and what's it called? No one is you know above the 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 law, right? And I feel like that's why he's doing it to to Wonder Boy. Um, I feel like maybe he just might compensate him for his um, his camp. I don't think he's going to give him his show money. Um, what I did wanted to talk about was um, the the main event for this week. Um, I remember somebody asking what are the stakes for for this week, but for Rafael the Zion host, right? I believe um, I don't know how many more fights he, he may have left, but it, if you're if essentially Luke's corner, like wouldn't you have any like some serious concerns after that brain hemorrhage? Um, I don't. I imagine he's medically clear because he's on the card right now, but that to me is pretty scary. Um, I didn't know about that up until that. That had to get reminded towards me um, earlier this week. I believe he fought Jeff Neal about that, and I think it was like a little over a year ago. So some really um, scary stuff. Uh, that's something that I would be concerned about. I don't know how the fight would go, but. Well, Rafael Dos Anjos, how many more fights do you believe that he has left? Because I feel like he's on the back nine of his career. I don't feel like he's in a fight for a title. Um, so I don't. It's kind of interesting. Like you know, how many more fights do you think that RDA is gonna, you know, ride this one out? And um, and lastly, um, the Khalil Roundtree, um, Chris Dawkins fight. It really does seem like a lot of people are behind uh, Khalil Roundtree um, for this week. Um, what just because of the fact that um, Dawkins has looked terrible in um, in heavyweight, how do you see that fight um, going about? And does Chris Dawkins have an avenue to win against uh, a killer like uh, Khalil Roundtree? All right, thanks, mate. Can Chris Dawkins win? Sure, he's gonna have to get takedowns, he's gonna have to go through a whole world of hell to get to those takedowns. I think Khalil Roundtree is gonna knock him out. 
I, I if you're gonna move down to 205, like that's great, but this is a horrible matchup for him. And I think he also needs to hope that that Thailand's round tree doesn't show up, that we get the you know, the guy who fought after the Eric Anders shellacking version of of Khalil Roundtree. But I don't think we're gonna get I, I think he's just gonna go in there and just absolutely run over Chris Dawkins. No disrespect. It's just a really tough matchup for him. And I think Khalil's just in a really good headspace right now. And I think he's probably a little frustrated that they didn't get to fight in June. So I think he's gonna take that all out on on Mr. Dawkins. So we'll see what happens. As far as RDA goes, I mean as, as much as he wants you're right. He's he's not going to be getting a title shot. Vicente Luque is never getting a title shot. He's an exciting guy. There are no stakes to this fight at all. It's just who gets the win money and who doesn't. Really, there's just nothing to it. This card is pretty bad. I mean, it's it's really bad. And I was listening to a little bit of No Bets Bard. And Jed and GC were kind of going back and forth. Jed feels like there is a strong case that this is the worst UFC card of all time. I don't know if I'm willing to go that far, but they were comparing it to the Holly Holm, Myra Buena Silva card. And Jed's point, and I actually agree with him on this, at least with the Holly Holm, Myra Buena Silva card, there were like, there were stakes in that fight. There are no stakes in this fight. There is not one like truly meaningful fight in terms of stakes on this entire card. Not one. Not even the main event. Like the main event is like the main event's a good fight. Two guys we know. RDA, obviously a former champion. Luke is a pretty exciting guy. Like Cub Swanson, Akeem Dawadu is an interesting fight, but like there are no stakes there. Roundtree Dacus, very little stakes. Viana Lucindo, none. And then it's just a whole bunch of contender series vets. Terrence McKinney, can he get back on track? Like, it's just a, it's an apex card and not a very good one. It's just not a good card. It's pretty awful. All in all, when it comes to like meaning and stakes and where fighters go, it's just nothing. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. As far as the brain hemorrhage thing goes, Look, Luke had to go before the commission at the most recent Nevada commission meeting, and he got cleared and he got licensed. So, yeah, I can understand trepidation. I can understand concern, but he got through it. He got cleared, and he's making the choice to fight, and his team's supporting him. The commission cleared him. The UFC's letting him go. I assume everything's fine if that's going to happen. So... Yeah, it's scary stuff, but I think he's going to be okay. Let's go to King, if we can get him in. We got the Wheel of Doom. The Connection Wheel of Doom, and it doesn't look like it's working. All right, you can try again. Uh, let's see if we can get Farmy in here. Farmy, do we have you? You're muted, sir. Yes, how are you? Hi, Mike. Uh, I'm fine, thanks. And how are you? Good. What's uh, up? Please stay with me. I'm uh, maybe speak a little bit slowly uh, because I'm a bit nervous. Uh, long time listener, first time caller from uh, Germany. My name is also Mike. <laughs> 
And um, nice. I actually wanted to hit you up via email, but didn't find an address uh, to just send you some nice words uh, for the great uh, content you put out every day. Um, and wanted to say say thanks for all the hustle and grind uh, you you actually put in. Um, I'm a big fan of your content and uh, of the whole team's uh, MMA fighting's uh, content. And you make the MMA experience and the knowledge uh, so much better uh, for me. <laughs> so so uh, just uh, um, yeah, a big thanks for that. And uh, keep keep it going. Uh, keep doing the watch parties. Um, it's just it's just great stuff. And uh, secondly, I um, got one uh, questions a uh, question. I just want to lay out uh, some some blueprint uh, because I'm a big Easy fan actually. Um, and since now the 293 main event uh, got announced uh, by Dana officially, um, what do you, as a matchmaker uh, of your own, think of the following plan? Um, is he has a yeah slightly easy title defense against uh, Strickland at 293. Um, he can return quite quickly and uh, would then face uh, Drickers at 296 uh, December pay-per-view. Of course, then also uh, beat uh, Drickers, uh, in my hope <laughs> at least. And so we would be set for 300 uh, against Hamzat. Um, who beats uh, Costa uh, at 294 in this in this uh, schedule? So this um, would be uh, his final three title defenses uh, at middleweight, uh, and then he could, for good graces, uh, move out, uh, relinquish the belt and move up to light heavy to then face Alex, <laughs> who uh, has beaten Yuri by the time and got the belt. What do you think of that? And finally, uh, shout out to New York Rick, uh, who I see is also in the space. Uh, he's such a kind person and always uh, brings such good vibes uh, to, to, to the whole team. So thanks for your content. And uh, I will try to uh, hop on more often now. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, man. Appreciate the kind words. I, your blueprint is pretty interesting. I don't think it happens. Uh, I think the first two things happen. I think Izzy beat Sean Strickland. And then they'll, he'll do the Drickus fight. And then I think he's kind of done at 185. Like the Hamzat fight's there and it's a big fight. But if it's the choice between fighting Hamzat at 185 or going up to 205 and trying to win the light heavyweight title, I think he's going to choose the latter at this point. Like the dude has done almost everything you could possibly do at 185 at this point. Like, is he going to stick around and like Hamzat's a big fight, but I think, I don't think he needs it. You know what I mean? Like, I'd love to see it. I'd be completely intrigued by it, but I just feel like Izzy being prize fighter has all these goals and aspirations. He's talked about moving to 205 and being done with his division I feel like once the Jerkis fight happens, there's really not a whole lot left. Like, Hamzat would be crazy, but... And I think Alex is going to beat Yuri. So, I, I think the first chance the UFC can make to put that fight together, the trilogy for the light heavyweight title, I think they're going to do it, and I think Izzy's going to do it right. I don't think he's just going to, like, float up 
to 205 like he did with the Jan fight. I think he's going to take it pretty seriously and put on some size. I think that'd be a good thing. And so, I mean, if it ha- if your blueprint happens, that'd be wild. Can you imagine if he goes through and then <laughs> freaking he beats Strickland, beats DDP, beats Hamzat, and then goes up to 205 and beats Pereira or Yuri or whoever the champion is at that time? That is just an insane run. Absolutely insane. So I like your thinking. I just, I kind of feel like, especially if Pereira beats Yuri, I think he'll do Strickland, Drickus, and then he's going to go right. The UFC's going to do everything they can to make that Pereira fight happen. But I like it. Uh, let's go to Adib. Um, yeah, so my question is regarding Usman Nurmagomedov because I think, um, you know, I mean, he's fighting Brent Primus um, at the UF, at Bellator 300, and we all know how good he is and how he shut down Pitbull. So my question to you is, how long do you think before we actually end up seeing him in the UFC? Um, my follow-up question to that is, I actually wanted to ask you about Shavkat. What do you think happens next with Shavkat? Because obviously the, the fight got delayed with uh, with Kelvin Gastelum and there's really no legit option. You could say Bilal Muhammad, but he probably deserves to fight for the belt. So uh, what do you do with Shavkat? And uh, I just wanted to say about what you said previously regarding Adesanya. I think Adesanya... If Hamzat and him line up together, I mean, he has to take that fight because, first of all, I think it's a stylistic nightmare for him because of Hamzat's wrestling. So if he's able to beat Hamzat, especially considering Hamzat would probably be undefeated at that point, if he's able to beat Hamzat, that's like a huge chip on his shoulder. And now he's probably the one of the greatest fighters of all time, period, not just middleweight. So I think for me, that fight... He has to take it if it lines up perfectly for him. Um, and then if he goes on to light heavyweight and beats Pereira, I think that's just incredible. That's an unbelievable career. But just because of the stylistic nightmare that Hamzat is, I think that fight has to happen. Well, he doesn't have to do anything. And the other thing is, is he's not going to wait for Hamzat. Like, if Hamza can be active, we're getting a fight a year out of Hamza at this point. And Izzy ain't going to wait for Hamza. I can tell you that right now. And for Izzy, if he feels like there's any risk involved with taking a fight, he's just not going to do it. He's just going to move on to what's available. Like, that's who he is. He wants to fight. He wants to fight three times a year. And if Hamza is not available, he ain't waiting for him, no matter how big the fight is. So that's another reason why I feel like that fight's not going to happen. Now, if somehow it can line up and the stars align, cool. But there's like, there's no real history between these two guys. Hamza just says things about Izzy and Izzy has just kind of no-sold him the entire time. So, I mean, it's just, I just don't, it could happen, but it's, I mean, it's going to have to be perfect. It's going to have to be perfect. There's going to have to be guarantees in place, but it's way too risky of a fight for Adesanya. For a guy who wants to fight every three or four months to sit there and wait a year for Hamzat, I don't think he's going to want to do that. So I honestly don't think that fight's going to happen. I don't think he has to fight Hamzat. And I think the division moves forward whether that fight happens or not. If Hamzat just gets a vacant title fight against somebody else, 
there you go. It's all good. And Izzy can go off and do 205 and do whatever he wants. And if he wants to fight Hamzat at some point later on down the line and it works out perfectly, great. But he's not going to do Hamzat any favors. He's not. Well, you could fight Hamzat, but it has to be in Abu Dhabi and it has to be in October. Izzy can be like, no, absolutely not. And he has every right to do that. And it doesn't make him scared or anything like that. Asani wants to fight. He just wants to fight dudes. And I don't think Hamzat's going to be available for him, if we're being honest. And we don't even know if Hamzat's going to be Paul Acosta yet. So I think we're getting a little too uh, we're getting a little too ahead of ourselves. Do we like how confident are we that that fight actually happens at UFC 295? We're dealing with two guys who are very tough to get into the cage for one reason or another. It's a lot. It's a lot to think about. All right, let's keep on going here. Let's go to Jameer. Jameer, do we have you? Yeah, I'm here. What's, What's up, man? man? How you doing? Good, I'm good. You? I just had a question about um, Aljo. Um, if he defends against Sean O'Malley, do you think he'll get the immediate shot at 145 <laughs> against Alex? Ooh. Uh, that's a great question. Volk's going to fight um, Ilya Tapori next. He's going to fight Ilya Tapori next. That fight has to happen. I don't know when it happens. Does it happen at the end of the year? Does it happen early next year? I don't know, but that's going to be next. I think that as much as the UFC like is not a huge Aljamain Sterling fan <laughs> as a promotion, and you can see it with the way they've been promoting him and the way they keep putting him in these situations... I kind of feel like you have to still give him the shot. And it would be an interesting matchup. It really would be. So, yes, I do think he would get a title shot. The only thing that could hamper that idea is if somehow we get to Volk and Makachev 2. Like if Makachev goes out and steamrolls Oliveira and then he comes back relatively quickly and fights Justin Gaethje, or for some reason Justin Gaethje can't make it, and they go to Volk. Aljo maybe gets an interim title shot. To me, I don't think they're going to make it very easy on Aljamain Sterling, and I don't think they're just going to chuck him in there with Mavzar of Loyev, but they could. And then if you're Aljamain Sterling and you vacated the 135-pound title, like what are you going to do? What are you going to do now? So I hope cooler heads prevail. I hope at this point if he does beat Sean O'Malley, and I think he will, just let him fight for the belt. Just let him fight for the featherweight title. If he loses, so what? If he wins, boy, is that going to be interesting. That's a good question. I don't, Honestly, I have no idea what's going to happen with that situation, but he should get a title shot in his first fight. But it won't be Volk's next fight. Jay Stat, hello. Hello, Mike Echo. Good morning to you. What's up, man? Um, now that Derek Lewis has signed the eight fight deal, um, I would like to see him fight Jorginho. Uh, you know, Derek Lewis versus Walmart Derek Lewis. I don't know what you think. So, I'm try like we've been trying to confirm this all morning because it seems like that's. I mean, anyone who was actually there at the Apex after that event they had last night. 
seems to say like, oh yeah, it's done. But if you actually listen to like any of the the feeds, I could not hear any confirmation on that. So I know Oscar Willis first put it out there, and to me, Oscar's word is gold. But it's still not enough for us to like go out there and report it as fact. So we have not fully confirmed that yet. But I assume that if Oscar put it out there that he was there, I assume that there's some validity to that. Yeah, that's the fight. Like that fight should have happened 500 times already. Do that fight. That's it. You have to put that one together. Eight fights is a lot of fights, man. <laughs> like, and just to do it so quickly is really kind of surprising to me. Unless Derek was just like, hey, management, just whatever they offer, like, as long as it's within this range, just take it. I feel like Derek left a lot of money on the table. Unless, I mean, unless the, his contract is just enormous, I feel like he left a lot of money on the table. You're not even going to take, you're not even going to, you're not even going to talk to the PFL. Like you're not even going to talk about a Francis rematch. The guaranteed minimum two mil. Like we're not even going to have a discussion. We're not going to have a number to bring back to the UFC because they have matching rights. Like we're not even going to try that. I mean, unless they tried and it just, the meeting was awful. We don't know, but it just seems, how long has it been? Two weeks? Not even? Hasn't even been two weeks since he announced his free agency. So if that's true, I just feel like I feel like that was real fast. But yeah, I like the Jarzinho fight. Maybe he fights like Arlovsky or something. But there's just like a lot of matchups I don't love for him. Like what's after that? You going to fight Alexander Romanov? I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that at all. But Derek Lewis, like I've been saying for a long time, he is beyond rankings. He is beyond all sorts of things. People just want to see the dude fight, and that's awesome. He's not going to get to a title shot again, but let's just give him like fun fights. like Whatever he wants, just let him have it. Outside of that, do Jarzinho, do, you know, throw him in there with the Dontel Mazes of the world, him, him and Chris Barnett, like these kinds, Paco Porta. Although we all know how we feel about Paco Porta. Maybe keep him away from Paco Porta. But you know what I'm saying. Just give the dude fun fights where he can do fun things. No more Sergey Spivak type things. I don't know. He must just really not just wanted to stay at the UFC and like nothing seemed appealing to him. But I feel like he lo- he left he left some moolah on the table. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. 
This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the US, so make sure you don't miss it. CV, hello. Yo, Mike, heck of a morning. Um, I want to look ahead, a uh, week ahead uh, for 292. Um, I think the main event, co-main event, those got some big stakes. But uh, I think the third fight with the other big stakes is the Marlon Vera versus Pedro Munoz fight. And I specifically want to talk about Vera. Um, I know his last performance against Sanhagen was kind of lackluster, but do you think um, if he becomes like the first guy to like finish or uh, knock out Munoz, does he kind of like reinsert himself in the title picture? Just because um, I'm going to assume Sanhagen is going to be out for a while with the torn triceps. Or, like, does he just get the Mirab fight? Uh, what do you think? Um, look, Cheeto needed to be on this card. He had to because of what's on the line and because he was in the main event. If he beats Page, if he just beats Pedro Munoz, it doesn't matter. I mean, unless it's just the worst fight of all time. If he just beats Pedro Munoz and Sean O'Malley beats Aljamain Sterling, they're going to make that fight next without question. That is going to be the fight they make. We're going to get the rematch. We're going to answer all the questions. Was Marlins win a fluke? I don't think it was. Sean seems to think it is. They're going to make that fight. 1,000%. So the stakes are very high in that fight, especially for Marlon Vera. Marlon cannot lose again if he wants to stay in this picture. But as long as Sean O'Malley is still in the picture and he keeps winning, they're going to do everything in their power to, to put that fight together. Now, if Aljamain Sterling wins and Marlon Vera wins, doesn't do a lot for him. As I said on Tuesday, and it pains me to say it, and some of you may not agree with me, but I'm just looking at this from a UFC perspective. Corey Sandhag was not the biggest winner on Saturday. Tatiana Suarez was not the biggest winner on Saturday. Jake Paul, Nate Diaz, they were winners in different ways. The biggest winner in the UFC's Bantamweight division on Saturday was Henry Cejudo. Henry Cejudo was the biggest winner on Saturday. Because if Aljamain Sterling beats Sean O'Malley, guess what they're going to make? They're going to make Marab Dabalashvili versus Henry Cejudo for the vacant Bantamweight title. Could they throw Sean O'Malley back in there? Sure. I don't think they will. I think O'Malley will have to get another win. He'll probably be right back in there with a win. But I feel like Cejudo got... I think Cejudo probably found himself in a vacant title fight. With this one. And I'll blame Sanhagen for the performance, especially with the injury and stuff. But yeah, like you said, he's going to be out for a hot minute. And the division's going to need to move forward. Suhudo will be healed up. Marab will be healed up. And it wouldn't surprise me if they crowned a new champion very, very quickly. So I think Marab, if Aljo wins, they'll do Marab Suhudo for the vacant title. Mara will still be, some, be somewhat in play. Who knows? Maybe they just go right back to O'Malley anyways if O'Malley loses and Marlon wins as like an eliminator fight of some kind, which kind of screws Corey Sanhagen, but this is how the UFC does it. They want to put, put on the biggest fights that make the most amount of money. Uh, let's go to Cole. What's up, Cole? Hey, Mike. It's cool to hear that you're trying to do something with uh, the cartel boys because I actually went to UFC Nashville and well, I was walking back to my hotel in front of the arena on Sunday and saw Rob and Calvin and kind of shot it up with them with or shot it with them for a couple minutes and took a picture. So they were super nice. But um, 
I just want to know if you've seen, like, kind of what you make of, like, the Jake and Logan Paul, like, beef. Like, they're playing us like a fiddle. I don't know what Ariel's talking about being like, I think Logan was actually hurt when Jake said, oh, you lost to Floyd. It's like, what are you talking about? No. And also, I'm wondering if you saw the clip of Dana forgetting and not being able to remember who Aljo last fought on that Mike Tyson podcast. I thought that was super funny. That's all I got. Yeah, I didn't watch the Dana on Tyson thing. Um, I don't know. It's, it's Watching Dana interviews is just not the same anymore. I don't know. It's kind of lost a little bit of his luster, considering where Dana's mind is at these days. It's on Power Slap more than anything else. And that's fine. Not for me. If it's for you, cool. But it's not for me. The, yeah, I mean, it just goes to show you how they feel about Aljamain Sterling. The Jake Logan thing, look, I actually, like, I have not watched the the Netflix doc on Jake Paul, but from what I'm told, um, they have, I mean, obviously Jake and Logan are brothers. They have a relationship. doesn't seem like they're as close as it was sort of always built up to be. But I saw, like, obviously the big clip that everybody has seen is Logan giving Jake crap about, well, you guys didn't promote my fight on your show. We promoted, you know, your fight on this show. I couldn't even bring Prime into the arena. It was banned. Well, no shit, Sherlock. Celsius was, like, the big sponsor of the entire event. Ask New York Rick. Everywhere we went. Celsius was giving away free Celsiuses, Celsii, wherever the hell you want to call it. Everywhere, out in front of the arena, inside the press conference area, inside the open workout area, Celsius was everywhere. They were everywhere. They were one of the lead sponsors of the event. So no shit, they're not going to let Prime be a part of the show. Like, that's just business. That's just business. It's like that with everything. Even in radio, like I like when I worked in radio, we would have a computer screen where it's like, this is the song you're going to play. This is the sweep. Here's a song, sweep, song. You're going to talk over this song. Then there's this sweep that's going to lead into commercials. And then it has the list of commercials as they are put in there. And let's just say there's a commercial for Patty's Pub. You can't follow that up with a commercial for joseph's pub you can't have back-to-back bar commercials you have to move them around you can't do them back-to-back because the person who's paid money to have their advertisement played on the radio is going to be pissed that your spot is being followed by another bar which is exactly the same it's like this in any industry in any business if a lead sponsor is an energy drink no you're not going to bring energy drinks into the arena and promote them on a show that is sponsored by an energy drink. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. So Logan's completely wrong in that. And even Jake was just like, yeah, dude, Celsius was the sponsor. So no shit. I don't know. I I, I do feel like those two are just going to fight each other at some point. It ain't going to be a hate thing. It's just going to be a money-making thing. So I do feel like there are seeds sort of being planted for those two fighting each other. Do I really care? No. Will I watch? Probably. But I don't know. I don't think it's like a man. I think there is like a little bit of heat between these guys. Like I think Logan has Jake's back and vice versa, but 
I think there are people to each of them that are closer to them. You know what I mean? Like, I think Jake probably has like friends, business partners that he has on his side more than he would have Logan on his side and vice versa. You know, you can, you know, I have three brothers. I'm super tight with one of them. I'm relatively tight with one. I'm somewhat tight with the other. You know, it just depends on commonalities and what you want, but that's just the way that it is. Someone asked earlier, I think it was a deem about what's next for Shafkot. I didn't want to forget about that. I think he will fight Gaslam. I think they're just going to rebook that fight. Maybe they do it MSG. Maybe they do it in December, but I do think they'll ultimately go back to that one. Uh, DC Betts, hello. Hey, Mike, can you hear me? Yep. All right, cool. Um, so going back to the Aljo and Volk thing real quick, um, I know I saw somewhere on YouTube, it was like a quote from Volk saying that uh, that he would for sure give uh, Aljo like the free pass to the to the to the belt, you know, and that he says that he doesn't think that he should have to fight down um, if he comes up with his belt still after he defends it for, uh, from Sean O'Malley. Uh, which I think he will. Um, and then also, um, uh, the Cejudo Marab thing, who, who do you think actually wins that fight? Because I, I, I personally, I got Cejudo because I thought he could have even beat Aljamain, but he was just, you know, so frozen. It seems like he was, you know, breaking away the ring rust. Um, it's just like how DJ said in those spots where Alge, Aljo's just on his knees kind of stalling out. It's just like, I mean, I was screaming at the TV just like DJ was, like for Cejudo to take his back, you know, to do something. Like he could have got that control time, and I think he would have beat Aljo, and I think Aljo's better than Marab. So that's my thought on that. And then um, uh, last question, um, uh, have have they announced any or have you heard anything about what's going to be the other big fight for the um, – for the uh, Mexican card in September since Gaslam and Shopcott fell off? Because I think, I, I think if I'm correct, that was the co-main. So have you heard if they've gotten any other uh, big Mexican replacement for that fight? Thanks, Mike. Um, I don't think so. Let me pull that card up real quick. I don't think they're going to add too, too much to that. The only name, like... The only name I didn't see up there that I was kind of surprised that I didn't see up there was Raul Rosas Jr. Surprised he's not on the card. At least, I mean, maybe he is, and they just haven't announced it yet. I mean, it's a free look. They're not going to load it up too too much. It's a free card. You got the title fight. You got Curtis Hernandez is a good fight. Cortez Jason Justavizius is a good fight. D Rod Ponzinibbio is a good fight, and then you got. Lapita and Edgar Chirez and Cynthia Calvillo. Like, I don't think they're going to add too, too, too much more to this, honestly. Maybe we get one more fight. Maybe we get like Raul Rosas Jr. stepping in or something, but I don't think they're going to like replace it with like a big ranked fight. Could be, I mean, I could be wrong, but I think the top four fights are pretty good. So, and for a free card, I don't think fans are going to complain too, too much. And right now it's at a nice tight 10 fights. Like, perfect. Keep it like this. If you want to throw Rosas in there with somebody, awesome. Make it 11, but I think you're good. I think we got a, we got a good solid set here. 
We got Zell Huber on here. He's a, he, he looked pretty good in his last fight. Fernando Padilla is super fun. Uh, Alex Reyes is fighting for the first time in a while. First fight since 2017, so it's good to see him on the card. Like, I, I, I think you get enough here, honestly. I think you get enough here. Marab Cejudo, I, I'm picking Marab against pretty much everybody right now. Like, I feel like Marab is, once he wins the belt, it's going to be really freaking tough to beat that guy. And I think he does beat Henry Cejudo. But there you go. Uh, by the way, uh, we can confirm uh, Derek Lewis has re-signed. How about that? We've gotten confirmation. All right. Good for you, Derek Lewis. I mean, if you're happy, I'm happy. Uh, we'll go to Barbarusa, and then we'll go to Brett. And then we'll go to Brent. How about that? Barbarusa, what's up? Um. I want to ask you about the UFC. Why do they seem not very interested in the European market, and especially uh, France? Because we have seen the news today that uh, the Lazy King and before that uh, Cedric wasn't signed by the UFC and the PFL uh, signed him. And does this have anything to do with what uh, Sean Strickland said on the Joe Rogan experience that they they are going to sign up people from Dagestan and Brazil because they they have no problem fighting for ten to show and ten to to win and and they have already a very big name and they are not interested in to bringing big names just bring a lot of guys sign a lot of guys and then who becomes a star becomes a star and that's it. Um, and the second thing I want to ask you about your opinion about the BMF do, what do you think is more BMF for me it's the guy who risks a lot for a little reward someone like uh, Israel Adesanya because maybe he's not fighting the best fights but he fights the hardest fights for him he fought a lot of wrestlers he always active he, he puts a lot on the stake because he always put the title on the line. But when you tell me, with all due respect for people like uh, Dustin Poirier or Jorge Masvidal, they, they fight uh, interesting fights, but it's not that they put a lot on the line. And that's it, Mike. Thank you. I mean, the BMF title is the BMF title. I, I, I think you could define it in so many ways, in, in as many ways as you want. I mean, without Nate Diaz, there is no BMF title. So you can put that however you want. I think Gaethje's a pretty damn good BMF champion. I mean, this dude is, if not the most exciting fighter in the history of the UFC, he's number two or he's 1B to like maybe... Robbie Lawler's 1A. I mean, I, I, I think it's a perfect representation for the BMF title. So, yeah. I was, like, I was honestly, like, when they announced the fight, I was like, eh, BMF title, like, who gives a shit? But 
kind of was an interesting wrinkle. I I realize how much that moniker like mean meant to both guys, but technically, you know, it was just a f- more fun way to do like an interim title fight, but just added a different wrinkle. Now, hopefully, we come to a place where we can just defend the damn belt. You know what I mean? Like if Gaethje doesn't win the lightweight title. He can just fight fun fights and defend the BMF title. Like, I'm cool with that. I just don't want it to be like, oh, we'll get this every once every five years. And only because this city is paying us a bunch of money, we have to give them a title fight that we just, oh, we have nothing else to do. Let's just throw the BMF title on it. Like, if you're going to use it, use it and do fun things with it. You know what I mean? Just do fun things. Brett, hello. Brett, are you there? You're muted. Uh, sorry. Um, so, so two questions. One, obviously you're married. I don't know how into MMA your wife is, but I just moved in with my girlfriend. And so I, I don't know how I'm going to get her into it. I mean, I don't need her to watch them with me. She just likes to enjoy the things that I enjoy with me. So if you have any advice on that, I would appreciate it. And then question two. I just moved to the middle of nowhere, Nebraska, and the nearest bar that shows the fights is 100 miles away. So, I mean, I just don't know how on earth I'm going to, how anyone can afford to pay $80 a month to watch the pay-per-views legally. Um, you know, back when I was in college, I could just get, you know, 10 guys together. We'd all pitch. No big deal. But $80 a month is just pretty unreasonable when you're fresh out of college. So, yeah, that's it. Um, thanks, Mike. So... Like, my wife gets it. Um, She doesn't really watch with me. Like, I'll talk to her about work, and she'll listen, and she'll be like, oh, that's cool. Like, she knows who Jake Paul is, and I told her I was covering Jake Paul and Nate Diaz in Dallas. She was like, oh, wow. That's crazy. So, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I guess my advice would be don't force her into it. If she wants to watch, cool. If she doesn't, cool. Uh, I also have a kid too, so it's not like she's alone while I'm watching fights or covering an event. Like she's got my kid, we got the dog. So it's like, it's a little different. If my wife's just like laying in bed by herself while I'm watching fights and yelling and screaming, that's one thing, but she'd probably watch more, I would say, but she gets it. She understands it. And, you know, much like she uh, watches the like Kardashians. She could tell me about it, but I'm not going to really watch the Kardashians with her. You know what I mean? Uh, We have our own things. We do a lot of stuff together. We have common interests, but yeah. And as far as, as far as the UFC thing goes, I feel bad for the fans. I really do. It's just super expensive to watch everything. Not to mention some of this other stuff. Like the, if like, if you really wanted to watch Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz, that's another 50 bucks on top of a DAZN subscription. So it was like another 70 bucks to watch that. And then some of these other fights that are happening, it's just a lot. So I guess hopefully in Nebraska, there's you find some people that you work with that like the UFC and you guys can all go in together or just be kind of picky with which cards you buy. I just honestly, I like, I feel, I feel bad for the fans who have to shell out, or so a year to watch 
everything. It's just a lot. It sucks. And unfortunately, I don't think it's going to change. And I kind of feel like the price tag is going to go up again. Brent, hello. Yep, okay. I got you. Uh, so let's assume that Bellator is sold soon and that Scott Coker retires. Uh, what letter grade would you give his sort of like two different chapters as promoter? And then what letter grade would you give his promoting career overall? Uh, that's it. Thank you. Um, that's a good question. I mean, Scott's been able to stay relevant through all of this. I mean, I think it's a solid C+. Plus. I mean, look, I don't blame... Like, I know a lot of the stuff falls on the face of the organization when it comes to, hey, I didn't know you were having a card on Friday, but it's not really Coker's job. I mean, it is it is in some sense, he is the promoter. He needs to do more to, like, get the product out there. Like, when Bellator 300 rolls around, if he's not out there doing a million interviews, I just don't know. The Strike Force run was way better than the Bellator run. And so obviously, when you're the guy in the face, the shortcomings become yours. So I think the Strike Force run was probably like a really solid A minus. I think the Bellator run has been like a C minus D plus. So put it in the middle, C plus for Coker. And I don't know if he's going to retire. I don't know if he'll retire or not. The man loves what he does. He may not be in tune with everything that happens on every card. Hell, neither is Dana White. You listen to some of those press conferences, when a name that is not a big star is brought up to him, he doesn't really know what to say. It's like, oh, yeah, he or she, look, they look really good. Excited to see what's next. Scott's kind of the same way. I don't know, man. I think C plus is a pretty fair grade. Strike Force Coker was obviously much stronger. Uh, Bellator Coker, I don't know. There's just been something missing from all of it, which is a shame because their roster is so so good. But they've just they've missed so many opportunities. They've missed so many opportunities. Like AJ McKee when he when he won the Grand Prix. The fact that we waited like two weeks before we heard from him again is brutal. Like that can't happen. That can't happen. Just a lot of mistakes along the way. So I think C plus is, is fair and honestly might be, uh, might be a little gracious. Yes. How you doing? Solid and vibe. And what about yourself? Same, man. Same. So, well, two things I got. One is like a little conspiracy that I thought of. What is the chances that one Dylan Danis inevitably pulls out that Nick Diaz actually steps in to fight? Because I know he mentioned at the end of the one fight he wants to get in on all this. And then two, Mike Heck, New York Rick, and Jed Mishu are go MMA trio. But that's all. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, it is. Uh, those BTLs are really fun. With myself, Jed, and, and New York Rick. I mean, babyface New York Rick on BTL is incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. We have a fun BTL today, by the way. Uh, Jed will be back. We will be live at 1230 Eastern. Um, 
and I got to spend some time in Dallas with uh, with a lot of folks that I haven't really seen. Um, some folks that I haven't talked to like in person ever, but I got to hang out with Andreas Hale from the Sporting News from Sirius XM, and obviously a big boxing, pro wrestling, and MMA guy. And he's going to jump on the show. It's going to be a lot of fun because Sporting News basically does uh, almost like a boxing version of BTL in some respects. So it'll be nice to to carry that over to to our side. I, I had a lot of fun. I actually sat next to Andreas watching the Paul Diaz fights, and I had the UFC on my phone. He had SummerSlam on his phone, so we were able to kind of peer back and forth at each other's screens as all this chaos is going down. And uh, yeah, so it should be a, a very fun show, and that's going to go down around twelve thirty PM Eastern. So, uh, with that being said, I just looked at the time, and I was, and I'm realizing I'm. I'm a few minutes over time because we got to get ready for BTL. So uh, thank you all very much. We'll be back tomorrow. I do have the day off tomorrow, but uh, I am going to jump on here at 10 a.m. Eastern and do the show. And you guys are the best. But BTL 1230, we will have uh, everything you need to know for UFC Vegas 78 preview show tomorrow, all that. Post-fight show on Saturday, people's pre-fight show on Saturday, and then it's all roads to... Boston, Massachusetts, UFC 292 next Saturday. We just have one more stop at the hallowed apex, and then we ain't back at the apex for, for a hot minute after that. Because it's Singapore, then it's Paris, then it's Sydney, and then it's the uh, the Noche card. So we got apex this week, but we're not going to have it for a while. So good times are coming. But we got to go. Thank you very much. Back tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll do it again. Have a great rest of your day. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.